0: Uh, well, good morning, First Church. It is really great to be with you this morning. Uh, this is a sermon that, uh, this is now the third time that we have tried to make it work uh, to, to preach this to you, to bring this, uh, the, these thoughts and these observations and just these things that God has put on my heart. Uh, the last couple times, family's gotten sick, I've gotten sick. Just seems like the Lord's timing hasn't aligned until today. And so I'm really excited to share with you uh, some of the things that uh, being here the past 10 months, some observations that I've seen, some things that, yeah, God has just placed on my heart. Uh, I'm actually gonna do something that I was reading in a book a couple of weeks ago that talks about uh, the transition from uh, being a student into new ministry, into a new congregation. And uh, within that book, it said, here are some things you shouldn't do within your first year. Uh, Don't go to the congregation and say, here's what you should and shouldn't do. Here's a challenge and a task for you. I'm going to ask for a little bit of your grace and forgiveness beforehand because there's going to be a little bit of that today. Uh, And... uh, For those of you who haven't been here the past couple weeks, or perhaps you don't know what season you're in, or if you haven't been paying attention with what's going on, uh, we are in an interesting season as a church. Uh, Pastor Brian, uh, who I'm imagining is poolside right now in Portugal, suntanning with Colleen, uh, he has entered into his retirement, and for the first time in nearly 15 years as a church, uh, we are in search for a new lead pastor. Uh, We're in a season of change, transition, uh, reevaluating, whatever word you want to put in there. We are entering into that season, and and I imagine for some of us this is a season of joy and excitement. We're excited for uh, this new season, the the new things that can take place. Maybe they'll bring an organ in and we'll sing more hymns. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we'll do a major renovation that's needed to happen. Uh, Maybe we'll all go and jump into youth ministry and be a youth leader. I had to work it in there somehow. Uh, But I imagine for some of us that this season might be a season of of fear, it might be a season of cautiousness, it might be a season where we're hopelessly optimistic. Maybe they'll bring in a church organ and we'll have to sing hymns. Maybe they'll do a really costly renovation that we can't afford. Maybe maybe they'll invite me to be a youth leader and hang out and talk with youth kids. (laughs) Oh no, what am I gonna do? I'm not sure where you are on this scale, I'm not sure where you're landing and where you are in this season. Uh, But as Pastor Trent has mentioned, I would encourage uh, all of us, I would encourage us to enter into a season where we can talk about these things, where we can be open, we can be honest, and we can share our thoughts in this process. Let's be a church that isn't afraid to speak their mind and voice their opinions uh, in this season. Uh, For myself, uh, this season, seems fitting with how my life has gone for the past five years. Uh, For the first 18, 19 years of my life, I grew up in a bubble of comfort and a sense of, uh, it was, everything was neat and tidy. I had rhythms and routines. I went to the same church, had the same friend group. Uh, Everything that could stay the same, houses, community, life was wonderful because I was in a bubble of comfort uh, and rhythms and routines. And if you were here last week, you would know that i 'm a creature a habit, and so uh, I lived life comfortably and then as it happened, uh, things began to change. And uh, what, what started as about, it has been five years of constant change and curveballs. I graduated high school, I started having to adult more. I had to make changes and uh, there was fast, unexpected, blindsiding things heading my way. Uh, internships went and gone, summer jobs came and went, uh, relationships, changes in family dynamics, moving churches, moving houses, moving communities, friend groups, COVID happened. Pretty much everything that could have changed did change in my life, and I have found myself constantly searching for a new sense of rhythm and routine, and every time I seem to find it, all of a sudden God goes, there's a curveball for you. There's something new for you. Now, the beauty in all of this Uh, The joy that I have come to found uh, in this season is that it has forced me to continually trust in God. I have constantly had to just throw my hands up and go, okay God, I don't know what you're doing. Clearly the script that I am trying to set for my life, clearly it's not the one that you have for me. So just lead me where you want me to go. Reveal to me uh, what you have set before me. And often, three, six, nine months, a year later, I'll look back and I'll go, okay, God, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't as big of a challenge as I thought it was going to be. You're looking out for me. I just didn't know it at the time. And within these past five years, there are certain characters and stories and things within the Bible that uh, I have uh, gravitated towards to and I find myself again and again coming back to. And uh, today we're going to look at uh, one of my favorite characters and, and sections in the Bible. And it's about the prophet Elijah. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to eventually turn to First Kings 19. Uh, but Elijah is one of those sections where uh, it is a man that I continually try to seek and try to become more like uh, as I read his story. Uh, The great thing about Elijah is that he didn't just do all of his life and all of his ministry alone, but eventually a young man named Elisha came to his side, which if you thought having a Stephen and a Stephen on staff was confusing, I imagine that having an Elijah and Elisha do ministry together is almost equally as confusing. (laughs) Uh, Together we can read in Scripture of uh, their ministry, the, the, the changes and the things that they have to endure through a time of unrest and tension. Uh, for those of you who don't perhaps remember uh, Elijah or you're not up to date on uh, the prophet, uh, a little bit of context for us. Elijah is a great prophet for Israel. Uh, he performs uh, miracles, is loved and looked after by God. He challenges false prophets and false gods and, uh, and the leaders of Israel that are leading the people astray. Uh, the people are, or the leaders and the kings are uh, encouraging people to live a of life that takes them out of community with God. And so Elijah comes in and is constantly speaking into the lives of the people. He's constantly healing, performing miracles, having these hard conversations uh, with the leaders of the nation. This is also a time where uh, Israel and Judah have separated, where there is constant war and tension with one another. Uh, And then in 1 Kings 19, uh, Elijah himself is fleeing for his life. He is in a moment where he's going, God, this is too much. This is too hard. I don't know what you are doing. Uh, he is running. He's on the run, and he's trying to survive as, he, as he's hunted and threatened uh, by the leaders of Israel. He finds his way all the way to Mount Horeb, and there he has a really great encounter with God. It's one of my favorite uh, parts within all of Scripture. And he climbs up this mountain, and he uh, hears the voice of the Lord in a whisper. And there is given a new set of instructions and a new mission. Uh, 1 Kings 19, we're going to start in verse 15. Uh, The Lord said, uh, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel uh, king over Aram also anoint Jehu king over Israel, and anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Jumping to verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, he said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Uh, The great thing from this encounter that Elijah had with God when he was on Mount Horeb, he was given three tasks Go anoint a king, go anoint a king, and go find the person who is going to succeed you. What I find fascinating is that the last thing the Lord instructs Elijah to do is the very first thing Elijah goes, and he does. He goes from the mountain and he finds Elisha right away. He makes it a priority and he goes, throws his cloak over uh, Elisha and says, you're my next guy. Come join me on this mission. Come join me uh, as we uh, bring the Lord to the people of Israel. After some goodbyes, the two of them go off uh, to complete the other two tasks, to anoint the kings uh, as they were instructed to do and to carry on this mission and vision God had given them. Elisha, it says, not only follows this guy who he has just met and who has just said, come join me, Uh, but he destroys his former way of life. He destroys everything that he knew, everything that was comfortable, everything in that bubble that he loved. He burns the plows, he slaughters the animals, and he uses it to feed the people and to publicly symbolize, this is my new way of life. I'm going to join this man uh, and we're gonna carry out the mission of God. Elisha commits himself to this idea. He goes all in. He can't turn back because he has just slaughtered his animals and he has destroyed his best tools. He goes all in uh, for this mission. Now, I'm still fairly new to this community here at first, I'm still learning uh, some of the quirks here, some of the old Nazarene traditions, some of uh, who each of you are, and I'm not sure what your life has looked like, what your faith journey has been like up until this point. Perhaps there has been a moment like this where someone has come to you and has thrown their cloak and said, come join me. If that's not the case though, what would you do in this situation? What would you do if after the service today, somebody came up to you, threw their mantle, threw their cloak or a plaid shirt or whatever they have on, onto your shoulders, said, come join me? How would you respond? Would you respond like Elisha? Or would you insist that, no, 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 you, you have the wrong person? Uh, within my own life growing up as a pastor's kid there have been a number of moments where uh, this situation has happened uh, and some of it has turned and led to good things and other things i've been thrown into the deep end without mentorship without support uh, and it has gone terribly wrong the reassuring th- thing for me here is that that is not what elijah does elijah goes to elisha says you're the next guy But he doesn't leave him, he doesn't abandon him. He walks with Elisha for a long time before finally leaving the mission, uh, the mantle, and the role in the hands of Elisha. He mentors him, guides him, uh, shares the tricks of the trade with Elisha, and he sets him up uh, beautifully to succeed. and as the two uh, grow together, their bond grows they, and strengthens, it's like, a, it's like a father and a son or two brothers together. And by the time we get to 2 Kings 2, when, Elijah, when Elijah's time uh, on earth is, is up, he tries to spare Elisha of the hardship uh, that we will read. And so uh, in 2 Kings 2, starting in verse one, it says this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. They jumped in verse four. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. Uh, But he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then in verse six. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them uh, walked on Fifty men from the company of the false prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped uh, at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, uh, rolled it, and struck the water. And when he struck it, the water divided from the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do uh, for you before I am taken from you. Elisha's response is, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. And then as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his his garments, tore it in two. And Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak uh, that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck it, the water divided from the right into the left, and he crossed over on dry ground. Uh, This passage, I I, I love this passage. Uh, Not just simply because of the whole chariots of fire thing, that is, not that it's on a bucket list, but if there is a way to get to heaven, I do hope chariots of fire is an option. Uh, But three times Elijah told Elisha, stay here. And three times Elisha said, yeah, that's not gonna happen. Three times Elijah lets Elisha know he's getting closer to the end of his time, and three times Elisha says the same thing, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've been in a mentee role like Elisha is in this situation, I don't know if I would have been so bold in my response. I don't know, perhaps, sure, let's say the first time Elijah says, uh, stay here. Sure, the first time I'd maybe go, oh, it's, it's no biggie. Like Jericho's not that far. We can just, it's like half a day's journey. I'll go with you. The second time, maybe, maybe if I was in a particular mood or feeling bold, I'd be like, "Well, oh, I can see the Jordan from here. Like, let's, let's carry on. But the third time, I think the third time, I probably would have been like, all right, I'm gonna stand with the, with the onlookers and we're gonna just watch from over here. But that is not what Elisha does. He continues to stick it out with Elijah despite them drawing closer and closer to the end of Elijah's life. Elisha insists and becomes firm. As long as the Lord lives and as you live, Elijah, I will not leave you. I will not leave you in this hard time. I will not leave you uh, as you go to live with God. And this is not Elisha being disrespectful or trying to seize uh, on on a moment uh, of, of a power grab or not trying to capitalize on, well, God told me that I was gonna be the next prophet, so I'm gonna make sure that happens. That's not what Elisha is doing here. It's out of love and loyalty to Elijah and to the Lord that Elisha stays with him and carries on until the very end. That would have been an incredibly hard call to make. Think of the walk as uh, you know you are getting closer to the end of Elijah's life. Think of how hard that would have been knowing that your father, your friend, uh, a person who was like your brother, once you cross the Jordan, God's gonna take him from you. That would have been a hard hard walk one that i probably would have taken the out uh, when elijah gave it to me three times but because of this instead of being chewed out because of his loyalty and his love to elijah elisha is rewarded uh, for his loyalty and his servanthood and blessed with a double portion of elijah's spirit uh, as well as uh, the mantle of being the prophet of israel And once Elijah has been taken up by uh, chariots of fire, again, still the coolest way to go, Uh, we see Elisha taking the mantle, taking the cloak that Elijah wore, and doing the exact same thing he just watched his good friend do. He rolls it up, he walks over to the Jordan, he hits the water, and the water parts for him. The very last thing that Elijah does in his ministry is the very first thing Elisha does. When Elijah departs and Elisha becomes the guy, he carries on uh, the work that was put on Elijah's shoulders. He goes throughout Israel, battling false gods and prophets, performing miracles, uh, challenging the leaders of Israel, uh, sending bears to kids who mock him for his baldness. So, Adam, don't ever mock a bald man because they can send bears at you. (laughs) and he becomes the messenger for God. He carries the mantle and he serves really, really well. Now, he's not a carbon clone copy of Elijah, he's not Elijah 2.0, he is uh, Elisha 1.0. He is given uh, gifts, he brings his own unique styles, he has his own personality that God for uh, his entire life has been manifesting and shaping and forming him so that he can serve well and do the job. Now this idea isn't solely confined to the events of Elijah and Elisha within scripture. Uh, if we had uh, ample time today, and you would allow me all the time in the world to talk, I would, we would go and look through Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1. I'll encourage you, go read that this week. Uh, it's a very, a very similar thing happens with Moses and Joshua during that transfer of leadership. Uh, Paul and Timothy, Naomi and Ruth, Mordecai and Esther, there are lots of examples within scripture. Uh, and hopefully your mind has already been racing back to our mark series and to last week we just uh, entered into pentecost jesus and his disciples Uh, this theme is found there as well Uh, matthew 28 18 the very last thing we read from matthew's gospel the last thing that we hear jesus say to his disciples he commissions them and he says go preach teach and baptize in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit Go continue my work. Go bring uh, my name to the people. Go expand the kingdom of God. I bestow on you this work, this mantle for you to go carry. Now, perhaps this thought has already maybe crossed your mind, uh, and I do want to clarify on one thing. This is not solely a sermon to talk about the passing of the mantle of the lead pastor position here. Uh, It has been one of the greatest joys and privileges of uh, these past 10 months, and uh, to see uh, the work that has been put in to ensure uh, that this transition goes smoothly. And I know and trust, and I have to put my faith in God, uh, that this next season as we transition uh, is gonna be a good one for our church. Uh, but instead, what I'd like for you to do, and, and as, we, as you go from here and whatever your week ends up looking like, I would like us to zoom out a little bit, and I would like, to put, I would like you to put yourself uh, in this position, in this church. What, what mantles do you carry in your life? What mantles do you carry uh, here in the church? Uh, different ministries you might lead, different groups you might volunteer in, uh, being a parent and a grandparent. What are the areas you want to get involved in? Where can you use uh, the gifts that God has put and bestowed and crafted in you? uh, Where can you take those gifts uh, to carry out the mission and the vision that has been placed here? We're coming out of a weird season of lockdowns and restrictions, and we're entering yet another what seems like weird season of changes and transitions. And honestly, I see a great opportunity for us. I see a time of change that I am excited for, a time for us to try new things and to fail and to learn and to try and to fail and to learn and to grow together. I see, an, I see areas and a time for us to restart new things or to uh, perhaps tweak things of old uh, based on where we are now today. I see us having an ability as a church where we are open to allowing new people to try new things, to figure out where their giftings are, and to help them grow. And most importantly, I see us, and I would love for us to be a church uh, that we can walk together, we can learn from one another, we can teach one another, and we can have a cycle uh, from generation to generation of passing the mantle well. Uh, Perhaps thinking of it in, in this light might be a little bit more helpful. Uh, the Olympics. Whenever the Olympics come on, I become like a real Canadian Canadian. You know, I get my toques get my out, I get my dog sleds going, my igloos getting finished up, I drink copious amounts of Tim Hortons. That one's actually just true year round. Uh, However, uh, the Vancouver 2010 Olympics to me and my life have been, uh, they were, in my opinion, the best games, will probably be the best games uh, I ever watched. And still from time to time, I go back and I look at uh, those highlights. Uh, Now because they're on home soil, they're probably more meaningful. Uh, But something that really stands out is uh, this is a picture of my dad, myself, and my younger sister. Uh, And yes, for anyone wondering, if I did shave my beard, I would look exactly like that today. You laugh, but it's true. That's it's it's sad. Uh, my dad took my sister and I out from school one day, uh, and we were going to go see the Olympic torch pass through Calgary. Uh, it was great. We got to skip school for a time. Uh, I loved it. Uh, as we parked and walked closer to the street where the runner was going to be running down, we began seeing tons and tons of people who had taken time off from work. They've grabbed their own kids. They're taken on early lunch break, tons of people began to come out for this day and it was a grand celebration and a grand moment of pride for uh, our city and for the people there. Uh, Eventually, uh, we found a spot and we waited for the torchbearer to run by and we got to know people, we got to uh, talk with people, we got to, you know, there was smack talk about the Americans or, oh, are the Canadians going to win the hockey game this year or what's going to happen? But not long after that, we began to hear more and more excitement coming down the street. And people began to cheer and the cheers got louder and louder and louder as it got closer to us. And this man, all of a sudden you could just see high in the air, high with pride, a light coming from down the street. And then you saw his face and it was the biggest smile I have ever seen in my life. as he ran past us holding that light up high, holding that torch up in the air with pride, uh, we couldn't help those of us standing there began to cheer, cheer him on, but also to cheer on what he was carrying. Uh, and eventually he ran by and uh, met up with the, with the next torchbearer, the next person who was gonna carry the light, and there was that exchange and people began cheering for uh, the person who had carried and the person who was gonna carry. And eventually the new person uh, took off and ran down the street and you could, uh, and the cheers and the applause began uh, to get fainter and fainter down the street. But those of us who were still there uh, started to swarm the man who had just carried the light, congratulating him for uh, A, not falling and not messing up the torch exchange, uh, but B, just, good job, you carried the light, you carried it with pride, you carried it with joy. Uh, Even though he no longer carried the light, his job was done, uh, complete and total strangers came up to him to support him, saying how he'd done such a great job. Uh, To me, as I think about that and I think about the season that we're in, uh, three things stand out where I would like to kind of issue maybe a bit of a challenge or maybe for you to just think about how we as a church can implement this. Uh, First off is uh, we carry the light and pass the light and then we receive and carry the light. And then how can we cheer on others as they carry the light? Uh, Not only in terms of the light of Jesus and the gospel uh, that that we know, but also in terms of the different mantles and the different roles that we carry. Uh, And so we're gonna briefly just a couple thoughts on each of these. And so number one, uh, back to that question, what area of my life Do I uh, need to pass the mantle? Can I pass the mantle? And who can I pass the mantle on to? Uh, Perhaps some of us here who uh, hold mantles, we hold mantles that uh, perhaps we are tired of carrying, or perhaps uh, since no one else stepped into that role, uh, we have just felt like we need to carry it uh, for the sake of someone holding it. I would ask you uh, to think about this question this week. Uh, what's an area of your life that you believe God is calling you to pass the mantle? What's that thing uh, that you hold on to? It doesn't have to be a churchy thing. It can be in your day-to-day world, uh, in your jobs, in your school, your maybe within your families. Uh, what is that thing that you hold on to? And what's that thing that you can pass on uh, towards someone new? Uh, Where in your life can you pass the mantle and who can you pass it on to? Uh, Elijah, when Elijah uh, was uh, going up Mount Horeb, he was not expecting to come back uh, with a task of finding the person who's going to succeed him. Elijah didn't go up expecting uh, to have a servant, uh, didn't expect uh, to have a disciple, to have a mentee. But as soon as God said, This is the person to take over from you. Elijah wasted no time. He, I would like to envision that. He ran down that mountain, he ran to find Elisha, and he started the process of mentoring and teaching and preparing Elisha. Started the process of passing this mantle. It wasn't that Elijah did this because it was something that he had to do or something because God told me so, I have to go do it. Elijah understood the importance of having someone to pass the mantle on to, someone to carry the mission and the vision uh, and the things that God needed the people of Israel to know. Elijah knew that it would take time to teach and train uh, someone new, and so he wasted no time. He ha- didn't hesitate for a second, and he began the process with Elisha. And then uh, another question for you to think about, uh, where can you pick up the mantle? Uh, Who can you learn from? Now, this is important to understand. This is not uh, (laughs) giving you permission to go on a power-hungry, power-grabbing opportunity to kick out the previous leader because you don't like the way they do things. This isn't going, well, I don't like the way Stephen runs youth groups, so I'm gonna become a youth leader and then take over youth ministry. Elijah had zero idea what he was getting himself into, but as soon as Elijah said, you're the guy, Come follow me. Uh, He left his life, he destroyed his former life and sacrificed himself and became Elijah's servant and viewed it as an opportunity to learn and to humble himself uh, to prepare to serve God. He had no intentions of starting a coup or overtaking Elijah. Uh, He didn't force Elijah to hand over the reins uh, before he was ready. He was patient and he learned, and he leaned into that relationship with Elijah and trusted in the Lord. Now, this also isn't just for uh, younger people, those uh, in, the, in the later stage of life, if I can use those air quotes, uh, can still learn, can still grow, can still pick up uh, mantles from others, uh, can use their giftings as God has built in them uh, t- to learn from one another to learn perhaps from someone younger than you. Uh, This past year, I have uh, learned loads from those younger than me, whether they be youth leaders, uh, the youth themselves, uh, the children on Sunday. It's a great opportunity for us in this season uh, to learn from one another. And then finally, uh, who can I cheer on as they carry the mantle? Uh, just as when I watch the Olympic torch being passed from one to another, uh, I, I believe that we as a church should be cheering on and should be supporting those within our church who carries the mantles, who carries the roles uh, that need to be carried and who are learning to carry those. Pour words of encouragement into one another. Attend events just for the sake of supporting one another. Volunteer and join the team of those that you want to get to know better, that you admire, that you want to learn from. Find a way uh, with your own unique giftings and the things that God has instilled in each of you to cheer on one another as we carry the lights, as we carry the mantles, as we pass the torch from one another, uh, and as we go from here uh, into the world and wherever we go. I'm gonna call the worship team back up and uh, they're gonna lead us uh, in a song and, and it gives us an opportunity to, to respond. And so uh, I'd encourage you, I don't know what your week has been like, I don't know what this past, uh, these past couple years have looked like, I don't know what season you find yourself in. Whether you are tired uh, or you're saying to yourself, I can't carry anymore. I'd encourage you to wrestle with these questions, uh, to go back this week to reread the story of Elijah and Elisha, to read the story of Moses and Joshua, to read uh, the accounts of uh, of Jesus and his disciples, and pray this week. Invite the Lord this week to reveal to you either a person that you can help teach and train, a person that you can learn from, a person who maybe you just want to know their name person that you want to walk uh, with the Lord together, people that we can cheer on in this season, that we can support, that we can encourage as they serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you for this day. This day that you have created, this day that you have made, God, this day uh, that allows us to come together, that allows us uh, to rub shoulders with one another, to uh, bump into each other, God. A day that we can worship and praise your name. Father, we are entering into a season of, of change and a season of transition that, for some of us, this might be scary. Uh, and For some of us, this might be a season of, of, of excitement and one that we have been longing for. Lord, wherever we are, God, may we uh, turn to you. May we be a people who we we put our hands in the air and go, God, lead us, guide us. We know that you are capable of this, God. We know that you are a good God who loves us and loves this church. Lord, uh, as we sing this final song, God, I just ask that you would bring to mind uh, those uh, within our church that maybe we need to bump into. Maybe we need to have a conversation. Maybe we need to get to know uh, their name, their giftings, that we can lean into one another, God. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for the gift of your son and the renewal uh, of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Pastor Stephen prayed, I just... um Yes, there's a lot of, uh, changes coming up in our church. And, um, and, and yes, it is sometimes confusing, but I think we can all take comfort in that there is this one constant in our lives, which is our, which is our, our Lord, that we can, we can trust in his goodness and his faithfulness that will, he will bring us through to the next, next season of our church, um, our church ministry. And, um, yes, so if you guys sing, stand, stand with us and, um, with,